Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Frankly Speaking on Friday's podcast. I am your host, Frank Pador. It is currently March 4th, 2022, 5.11 p.m. Eastern Time. It is episode 24. Yes, episode 24. We are one away from being a fourth of a century, of a hundred, whatever. Whatever that expression, that saying goes. So, we did it. Another week, another week into another month of 2022. And uh, it's it's been a wild ride, hasn't it? I know it's... Uh, given everything, circumstances of the world, um, circumstances of personal lives, personal health, achievements, growth. It's It's a hell of a time to be alive right now, isn't it? Very uncertain, very, um, well, I don't know about the rest of you, but kind of feels as if we're grasping at straws, as if we are attempting to just get by to the best of our ability. And some of us, we're getting by better than, than others, but my goodness, it's, uh, it has been a interesting couple of years, hasn't it? Just like it's been an interesting past week with everything that's been going about. And while it is easy, very easy, <clears throat> to allow those things to accumulate within our mind, to plague our mood, and to dampen our resolve, all I can really say is do your best so that it doesn't. Now that doesn't really do a whole lot for you, does it? No, not really. And I understand that, and I do apologize. I wish I could be more gung-ho, more uplifting. But, as I always am within these podcasts, I'm going to be as real with you as I possibly can be. I try not to bullshit you, because I feel that's just respectful. I don't want to create some side of facade, some sort of... Uh, some sort of alternative persona so that I give you some hyped up and peppy stuff to go. No, that's, that's never been me. If I have to do a character for a play or for a show or uh, I, would, I would gig a job, a project, okay, fine. I'll be as peppy and fake as you want me to be. But when it comes to my projects, my creations, and my podcast, I'm going to be real with you. So this week has been an interesting one, hasn't it? <clears throat> of course, the war between Russia and Ukraine, that's always not great, but at least here, hopefully, wherever you are, wherever you are listening, because I know there are some international listeners that I have, I hope that you are safe and your family is safe and do whatever you can in order to keep it that way. All right? So... As always, within tradition of my podcast and my streams, here is a shot to uh, commemorate it. So here's to you, my listeners, myself, and to episode 24 of the FSOF podcast. All right. So, 
<clears throat> I'm so sorry I have it's warm out right now so allergies are going nuts and I have post nasal drip so <clears throat> I'm going to tell you my week real quick um in relation to last week's podcast about auditioning and getting over your nerves and this and that well I did my audition come um, it was six days ago technically it was last Saturday. Uh, Saturday the... <clears throat> oh my. Yeah, Saturday the 26th. Which, interestingly enough, today's the last Saturday for March. It's also the 26th. Isn't that nifty? Anyway, the audition went ahead. I did my Zoom audition and... Um, I felt pretty good about it. I didn't feel nervous. I did my best to stay focused on on my material, on my monologue. <clears throat> and while I was listening to the other people do theirs, I was trying not to fully focus on it. They were just background stuff, you know, Zoom meetings and everything. So when it was my time to go, it was very short. I said the slate that they wanted me to do, I did my monologue. I said goodbye. My agent specified several times within emails <clears throat> to not contact her and to not contact the agency that was scouting. Yes, it was an agency, not just for a gig. So I figured, you know, maybe a day, maybe two. If I hear from them, awesome. And if not, well, better luck next month, this month, for the next audition. To my surprise, <clears throat> a couple of hours later, I receive an email from my agent saying that I'm wanted back for, for callback. They were interested. My goodness, it's the first time I've auditioned for this in like two years, so I was surprised, humbled by the opportunity to do it again, but my God, I was extremely surprised. Like, I felt as if I held my own, but <clears throat> I didn't think I held my own to, like, the point of, yeah, we want more of you. Of course, I was secretly hoping. <laughs> I think anyone who auditions for the spot or placement that they want, they're always wanting, you know, the next step to happen. So, I got... The callback. The callback required that I send in the a different monologue and pre-record it and send it in. So I got word on that on Saturday the 26th. They wanted it on Tuesday the 1st, so three days ago. So um, picked a monologue, spent a day memorizing it, uh, a comedic monologue, actually. And uh, on the 28th, I recorded said monologue. I sent it to my agent. They approved. And then I submitted it. Now, I'm not sure if I'd get penalized as far as, uh, you know, submitting material a day early or not. Uh, but that's, that's what I did. So, that was, the first was a Tuesday. It is now Friday, the 4th. 
I have not heard from them. I have not heard from my agent. So I don't know what that means. I don't know how long I am supposed to wait. And considering that they got back to me with results very quickly for the preliminary rounds, I was hoping, you know, maybe a day, maybe two, but now it's three. And I'm just going to safely assume that I was not cast or uh, invited to be a part of their roster. And that sucks, kind of hurts, very unfortunate, but I am doing my best not to have it get me down. I'm trying to keep in mind words of my previous mentors of Brian Cranston and just, you know, the fact that I did get a call back on my very first audition nearly two years after the fact. So it would have been sweet though, that if I were to have been a part of the roster of this specific agency, cause they did it all, including voice acting and narration, you know, film, television, commercials, modeling, everything. It's unfortunate, but what sucks about this industry of trying to get into acting and voice acting and narration is that they don't seem to give you feedback as to what or to why, at least when it comes to the, um, at least when it comes to being a musician, you know, when you go and audition for, uh, even when you do fake auditions or mock auditions for uh, friends, family, professors, like they, they give you feedback right there and then. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes when you go and do a professional audition, they may give you their feedback cards. Maybe. Anyway, so something that I know about me and something that I know have known for years is that I am very impatient when it comes to results, just as I am <clears throat> impatient about this right now. I would love to know as soon as possible. And I hope, you know, my agent and the said agency that I auditioned for wants to do the exact same thing, but we shall see. We shall see in due time. Now, <clears throat> the best thing that I can do for myself is until I hear something, just focus on the next audition. So I have some new comedic monologues that I'm working on and trying to collect, and I'm going to work on those, and I'm going to pick one of them, and that's the material that I'm going to use for the next audition. Let's try and add a little funny to this. So that was my week, though. Otherwise, just still trying to adapt and, and do everything that I can for myself. And I hope you doing the same. So, with that said, Elden Ring dropped, and uh, <clears throat> a lot of good things and, and bad things, but I know that their sales for Elden Ring broke all the other previous Miyazaki games just broke them. Elden Ring was such a highly anticipated game. And like I said, with that, some good stuff and some bad stuff. So I have some things here that I wish to read to you 
all involving Elden Ring, just because the Soulsborne games, Miyazaki games, they, they mean a lot to me. Uh, just because I find them fun, and I know I've watched hours of compilation videos of streamers and YouTubers just raging the fuck out, breaking monitors, mouses, uh, mouses, mice, mouses, what was it? <laughs> the, the fun thing that you move with your wrist. Like it's, it's nuts how much these people rage for a video game, but I enjoy them. I, I thoroughly enjoy them to the point where sometimes they can actually be relaxing, trying to figure out how to kill this boss. What are their movesets and how do I memorize this area? And what's the best way in which to navigate to it? Where is the shortcut porn that I so crave and yearn for? So Elden Ring is no different. It is difficult. I have played, I want to easily 10 hours now, so not a whole lot, but I at least gone through the quote unquote, I know I've gone through the tutorial area and I've unlocked like the second area after, uh, Godric, I believe is his name. Godric or Godrich? No, Godric. That sounds right. Interesting boss fights. Like, I don't mean to spoil if I am, whatever, sorry. It's been out now. It's been super hype. And if you're listening to this stream, you're probably a gamer, or maybe you've even caught my streams, but Elden Ring seems to combine previous Dark Souls mechanics, obviously, but also, uh, some character models are familiar. The feeling and the mood of Elden Ring is very much similar to other Dark Souls games. A little bit of Bloodborne is added into that just because there are some monsters which are kind of horror-esque and they scare me a little bit. But it seems to me that Miyazaki added maybe some hints and notions of Resident Evil because some of these dudes, like these bosses specifically, they look kind of Resident Evil-esque. Kind of. There's some aspects to it. But nonetheless, plays exactly like a Dark Souls game. And it's enjoyable having a, uh, a horse, a steed to be summoned to your whim whenever you want. Whim, will. I need to make a compilation of me creating my own language. <laughs> but I want to talk about Elden Ring, about the good stuff and about the bad stuff. Obviously, the good stuff is that, holy crap, a highly anticipated Miyazaki game. Some of the bad stuff, which I'm sure you've seen and have read by now, is that, yeah, some of the performances uh, in the later game, at least, it's not great to the point where there's extreme lag and soft crashes. <coughs> and it's just, uh, it's clunky. It feels clunky. Part of me thinks that they were thinking they had enough time in order to get a patch out before people got to the end of the game, but I honestly don't think that's entirely the case. I think these Miyazaki and his uh, style of game development, uh, with especially with From Software, has been out and known for, uh, for a while. They know their community. They know how 
I'm sure by now, since it's been released, someone has beaten the game two or three times, and speedrunners are already working <clears throat> on finding glitches and boss skips and God only knows what else. That speedrunning community, they're, they're relentless and they're hardworking. So actually, out of curiosity, let's see. Let's go to speedrun.com right now and see if there's already a world record for Elden Ring. Uh, the moderators for this game have not yet created any categories. All right, so no official speedruns, at least for speedrun.com, have been collected. So get your practice in now, boys and girls. Because I'm sure that's going to blow up once those categories are created. With that said, let's dive into some of these articles. The first one comes to us from PCGamer.com, written by Ted Litchfield, published five days ago. I specifically selected this one just because. Bam, there you are. I selected this one specifically because it is recent, obviously. But the title of it is Elden Ring Creator Feels Apologetic to Anyone Frustrated by His Games. I know for a fact that Miyazaki doesn't really play his own games. I don't even I think he was even quoted that he doesn't like playing his games. Which means the man is just a visionary. This is the type of game he wants to play and present to the world, but he wants no part of it himself. <laughs> It's like going to a bartender uh, who is a former alcoholic and sober for, you know, a decade, <clears throat> for a decade. They know what game they're doing, <laughs> what game, they know what they're doing, they know how they're doing it, and they enjoy what they do. They enjoy other people enjoying their product, their creations, but they don't want anything part of it. So, Hidetaka Miyazaki. Oh, um, yes, I did. Okay. Hidetaka Miyazaki, creator of the Souls series and Elden Ring, gave an interview to The New Yorker covering his inspirations, artistic goals, and some, uh, ruminations on his meteoric, <laughs> shit, meteoric rise through the games industry in the past decade. Boy, yeah, skimming is just not going to do it anymore, is it? Going on, Miyazaki was candid about his own mechanical skill with games, expressing, I've never been a very skilled player. I died a lot. He went on to explain, if death is to be more than a mark of failure, how do I give it meaning? How do I make death enjoyable. Miyazaki was adamant in the interview that his game's difficulty is a core part of their nature, but he wasn't dismissive of the criticisms of players turned off by their design, offering that he does, quote, feel apologetic toward anyone who feels there's just too much to overcome, end quote, in his games. <clears throat> but that he just wants, quote, as many players as possible to experience the joy that comes from overcoming hardship. End quote. 
I was fascinated by the feature's exploration of Miyazaki's personal story. He grew up under difficult circumstances and took a, well, a well-paying job but unfulfilling job out of college to help support his family. After making a late career shift to the game industry inspired by Fumito Wada's Ico, Miyazaki was put in charge of a failing project and given license to take risks with it. That project wound up being 2009's Demon Souls, which established most of the series' defining characteristics. Touching on From Software's latest release and its potential to be more approachable to be a more approachable experience, Miyazaki claimed that the team wanted, quote, for people to feel like victory is an attainable feat, end quote. That being said, FromSoft's president also clarified that in our game specifically, hardship is what gives meaning to the experience. So it's not something we're willing to abandon at the moment. It's our identity. One final point of interest was Miyazaki going into greater detail about his working relationship with George R.R. R. Martin. The nature of Martin's contributions making up the background lore and framework for the setting have been public knowledge for some time, but the feature revealed that Miyazaki has long been a fan of Martin's fiction, well before the breakaway success of Game of Thrones, and that the two artists even developed a personal friendship out of the collaboration. Sometimes it really does pay to meet your heroes. <clears throat> That's awesome. You gotta enjoy the fact that they, in, like, <laughs> like, are they, do they just go to lunch with each other and they're like, oh man, I love it when you did this. Oh man, I love it when you did this. Were they just like, you know, I don't want to say circle jerking, but I'm going to say, were they just like circle <laughs> jerking each other off? That would have been a sight. So here's the thing. IGN came out with an article not too long ago, um, back at the end of, uh, February, February 28th, 2022. They, uh, came out with an article that says Elden Ring director placed important restraints on George R. M Martin's contribution. This was written by a Joseph Noop. I like your name. Anyway. With Elden Ring, the article says, finally on the while, eager players are undoubtedly coming every com combing, rather. <laughs> they might be coming too, I don't know. There's some fans out there. Undoubtedly combing every inch of From Software's new fantasy world to find the influences of writer George R.R. R. Martin. Martin, the, arth, uh, the author of the Game of Thrones series, was famously brought onto Elden Ring to write the backstory for the in-game universe. But a new interview with the New Yorker, or with New Yorker, game director Hidetaka Miyazaki revealed that he placed a few key restrictions on what Martin could do. According to Miyazaki, Martin primarily wrote snippets of text about the world's history, its characters and mythology, including the destruction of the Elden Ring and the subsequent scattering of shards. While this was something we learned previously, Miyazaki further clarified why this was the case. Quote, In our games, the story must always serve the player experience, Miyazaki said. If Martin had written the game's story, I would have worried that we might have to drift from that. I wanted him to be able to write freely, 
and not to feel restrained by some obscure mechanic that might have to change in development. End quote. It's an approach that, in retrospect, makes sense for the kind of stories Miyazaki and From Software tell. Dark Souls and its offshoots are rich with lore, but it's often presented through item descriptions and hev or heavily implied, left to spark the imagination of lore-hungry fans. From Software also tends to depict worlds well after some great calamity has occurred, encouraging players to discover what became of the major characters for fates better or usually worse. Quote, that power of imagination is important to me, he said. Offering room for users' interpretation creates a sense of communication with the audience and, of course, communication between users and the community. This is something that I enjoy seeing unfold with our games, and that has continued to influence my work. Martin and Miyazaki were similarly influenced by the, the friendship the pair struck up prior to Martin working on Elden Ring. Miyazaki considered himself a fan of Martin's work, including his early science fiction writing, and despite a considerable age gap between the two, both were able to bond as conversations progressed, and the two met several times, even in Martin's hometown. Ooh. The admiration goes both ways, as Miyazaki says he was surprised to learn that Martin was a fan of the Dark Souls games, though that might have been the influence of one of Martin's staff members. Of course, if you've played enough Elden Ring, you've probably come to realize exactly what Miyazaki has done with Martin's work. Miyazaki himself said earlier this year that he thinks Martin may be shocked by what he's done to the characters he created. If you're still on the fence, you can check out our review of Elden Ring or dig into our Elden Ring guide wiki for boss walkthroughs, item locations, and tips for getting started. If only I knew about that when this article came out. Oh well. I honestly still think that's pretty damn cool that Miyazaki and Martin like knew about knew about each other, knew about their work, appreciated each other's work. I think that actually creates the best collaborations is noticing someone else's work from afar, appreciating it. And then one day that opportunity ever comes up where you're able to work with them. Why would you ever pass that up? So the fact that it was both ways and not just Miyazaki being like, yo, your books, but Martin's also like, yo, your games, whether or not he's played them or not, I'm sure that Martin appreciates the difficulty and, the in-depth lore of the Miyazaki franchise, more specifically how you have to acquire it. I'm sure Martin even appreciates what that article said of you have to kind of piece it together yourself uh, and what you might piece together might be different from what someone else pieces together. You know, they're basically trying to find symbolism and story within a game that many people do the exact same thing with books and sometimes people are wrong sometimes they're right and sometimes the author doesn't want to reveal exactly what happens and i think that's exactly what miyazaki and martin can appreciate of each other's works i have another article here by ign very quick, but 
for those of you who haven't played Elden Ring, for those of you who have listened to this podcast and you're like, oh, so there's bugs and there's lag and soft crashes. Do I really want to get it? Yes. Yes, you do. Because they have already released patches. And that's what this IGN article covers is just a very quick brushing up of the patches which have been released. This one, instead of being written by a Mr. Noop, this is written by a Matt Perslow. Posted two days ago, March 2nd, 2022, 4.10 p.m. Don't know which time, I'm going to guess specific, but who's to say? The title of it being Elden Ring, a small patch should fix some PC and PS5 problems. From Software and Bandai Namco have announced that the a new Elden Ring patch has been made available for the PC and PS5 versions of the game. Its list of fixes is small, but it makes some vital changes to the B PC version in particular. Elden Ring patch 1.02.2 fixes an issue where the graphics card was not being used, resulting in slow performance. <clears throat> That's quite the fix. It will mean anyone who suffered from this bug will now be able to use the full power of their GPU rather than running Elden Ring on their CPU's integrated graphics, something that presumably made the game near unplayable. Whoa, no wonder why PC users were pissed. God. Anyway... Alongside that, the PC version of the patch also fixes a bug that causes the game to quit during a battle with the Fire Giant, which is a mandatory boss fight. The patch notes also say that 1.02.2 fixes other bugs, but provides no further details. On PS5, patch 1.02.2 makes changes to save game progression even when the game is not terminated. Players will have noted that, like other From Software games, Elden Ring does not like it if you don't use its formal save and quit function at the end of your play session. Hopefully this update helps prevent any issues for those who like to quit by simply turning off, turning their console off. For more, check out this. Uh, interesting. No wonder why PC gamers were friggin' pissed. Also... There's that. There's that. Wow. Here's the thing is that I don't, I didn't, I was close to buying it on my PC, but I did not. And I do not own a PS5, so instead I bought it on PS4. The problem that I have with the PS4 is that, uh, and probably PS5 people are experiencing this as well. I bought the, you know, the edition which has the helpful play guide, the art book, and the soundtrack. That guide was bullshit. You play like the first 20 minutes of the game, and there's your guide. So, if it were to elaborate a bit more, that'd be great. If it were to... God, I don't know, just have some actual useful helpful tips to begin the game that'd be awesome didn't have any of that no part of it was useful uh, until you get like past the tutorial a bit so 
And even then, I couldn't open it up on a separate tab or download it via PDF somehow, some way, email it to the email address, which is registered on my PS4. Nothing like that. So I have a little bit of a problem with that, but now that I know, and I've read that book is, ugh. so I wish that was a little more helpful. So now I have to rely on myself and maybe the internet every so often. So this last article was actually written by a, uh, not written, but submitted by a listener of mine. So thank you very much. I will indeed include it into this podcast. It is an article by Game Rant. If you don't know who Game Rant is, you should look into them. They have some good stuff. I'm more than certain that I've read them uh, several times on this podcast in previous episodes. So it ends on a high note. We don't have to talk about glitches and problems and this and that all the time. This is a good high note, and I appreciate this. The title is George R.R. Martin is happy with Elden Ring's high review scores. Um, it is written by a Reese Reed, published three days ago. A famous famous a song of ice and fire author george rr R. martin knows that he is pleased to hear about elden ring's high review scores many from software fans were ecstatic to hear that george rr R. martin and uh, the author of a song of ice and fire in games of throne game of thrones would be working on elden ring's world building the famed author has now commented on the success of Elden Ring on his blog and seems to be over the moon about the game's high review scores. Elden Ring released last week and was received ex extraordinarily well by both players and critics alike. In fact, the Elden Ring, uh, in fact, Elden Ring is now one of the highest rated games ever made. The title is currently sitting 15th on the list of the best-reviewed games of all time, which is something that Hidetaka, Hidetaka Miyazaki and From Software are most likely exceptionally proud of. Elden Ring released in a busy window, but was still able to shine despite its tough competition in Horizon Forbidden West and Pokemon Legends. George R.R. Martin has now commented on all the praise Elden Ring has been receiving. The writer was brought on to develop the game's world building and has started and has stated that the acclaim one more time and has stated that the acclaim that Elden Ring has received thus far is music to his ears. Martin also noticed that almost all of the credit for the game's success should go to Elden Ring's creator, Hidetaka Miyazaki, and his team at From Software. Before the game released, Miyazaki stated that George R.R. R. Martin may have been shocked by what From Software had done to his Elden Ring characters. The author seemingly designed characters and personalities in the game's lore before the shattering took place. Then From Software took over and made these heroes into twisted boss monsters. While Martin made no mention of this in his blog post, he did note that he was honored to have met and worked with Miyazaki and the From Software team. Fans and critics don't seem to be the only people enjoying the game, as Twitch viewers also seem to be loving Elden Ring. 
the game had reached just over 900,000 Yes, 900,000 viewers a few days after its release, which meant that Elden Ring had the highest peak Twitch viewership count out of all the From Software games that released before it. While the praise for the game's story, mechanics, and open world was certainly deserved, Elden Ring had a mixed review score on Steam due to its performance issues. Since then, Bandai Namco has re released multiple patches to improve Elden Ring's performance, which has improved the game's review score on Steam to mostly positive. Elden Ring is available on PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series XS. So, <clears throat> good. It was an enjoyable experience for him. And of course it was going to be well received. Uh, well, I mean... I think when you hype up a game so much, and when you have someone as famous as George, uh, an author as famous as Martin, on your payroll, <clears throat> I think Miyazaki was going to do anything and everything within his power to ensure that it would not be a failure. And I think he rightfully succeeded as well. Oh, man. So... Here's the thing. Short podcast, I know. I don't I don't have much to talk about uh, after this. Except for the fact that I will be streaming uh, Elden Ring myself every Friday uh, for a little bit of time. On my own Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash fapismplays. We generally begin uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So, if you want to stop on by, say hello, by all means do so. Want to watch me struggle as I try to learn these bosses? Oh boy, that's happening. And I encourage that you do so. With that said, I'm going to end the podcast here. So, just like, uh, just like you can with the uh, last article that I read that was submitted to me, you can do the exact same thing by emailing the podcast. Topics of discussion, interesting articles, uh, comments, just want to say hello, email the podcast at fsofpodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Hang in there. Do whatever you can in order to, in order to stay on the positive side of life and your mentality. I know it's difficult. I'm right there with you, but... You can do it. I know you can. And I know you mean well for yourself. Just, just do it. Baby steps into running. All right. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you next week, which will be March 11th, 2022. But until then, keep practicing. No matter what it is, so long it doesn't hurt you or anyone else, keep practicing. I'm going to practice my patience still, and I hope you do too. So, until next time, until next podcast, au revoir. Relying on a substance in order to overcome your mentality should only be used for those who actually need it.
as a performer, you need to be able to get over those anxieties to get over that fear so that you can go ahead and do those auditions, do those interviews, do that performance and win those jobs. So I mention all this because of my audition on Saturday. I'm a little nervous, but I know my monologue. I know the situation for it. And I know that what I have to offer is something that a higher up agency should be interested in. And I hope they take notice, but that's not up for me to decide. I'm going to do my very best at that moment on that day. And that's all I can do after that. It's kind of what Brian Cranston said, you know, Walter White of Breaking Bad and many other things. He was asked in an interview, you know, what advice would you give to a young performing, uh, for a young actor just starting out in the job? And he said, basically, go walk through the doors, give your very best at that moment. And when you walk out of those doors and they close behind you, don't think about it. Because at that point, it's out of your control. And that's something that Jeff even says. If is something, if you're stressing about something, can you do something about it? Is it in your control? No. Well, then don't worry about it. If that's a yes, then do something about it. Yeah, you just do your best in the moment. After that, it's out of your hands. So move on to the next thing. So, with that said, I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, call the podcast here. Shorter one, I know, but we need to. Uh, I we're gonna set things there. We're gonna focus on on what we need to focus on. I'm going to focus on my audition, and I hope you focus on the next step of your life and overcoming whatever it is that you need to. So, thank you for listening. This is the Frankly Speaking on Fridays podcast. Be sure to email me if you'd like, and articles of interest, uh, want to say hello, comments, etc., etc. You can email me at fsofpodcast at gmail.com. I will check them and potentially... It will be read on the podcast itself. So until next week, which will be the first podcast that we do going into March, will be March 4th, 2022. Until then, thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Keep practicing. And uh, yeah, until then, au revoir.